Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 12 of Revelation chapter 14, and we're going to be reading verse 7. Revelation 14, 7 says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. In our last study, we were discussing the fear of God and The Bible has a a good deal to say about fearing God. We saw that God commands to fear Him. We also saw a few scriptures that indicate the the positive aspect of fearing God, that um, there is great blessing associated with it. And actually, the fear of God ties in with salvation. Because it is only the true believer, someone who has been saved, given a new resurrected soul, that does fear God. The unsaved person does not fear him. And uh, God very specifically makes this link between fearing him and salvation in a few places. One is in Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of Jehovah encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. In verse 9, O fear Jehovah, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. And then in verse 11, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of Jehovah. Verse 7, which said that God delivers, um, the angel of Jehovah is God, that that God delivers them that fear him. That's a reference to salvation. In Psalm 85, it says in verse 9, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. There the connection is made between fearing God and salvation. In Psalm 103, It says, and there's a few verses here we're going to look at. The first place is verse 11, Psalm 103, 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And also in verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so Jehovah pitieth them that fear him. And verse 17, but the mercy of Jehovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. So we can certainly see in in those verses how God relates the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, to someone who has received the mercy of God, to someone who is delivered, who has become born again and The reason for this is because once God saves a sinner, he 
gives that person a new heart and a new spirit, and they have an ongoing desire to do the will of God. And to do the will of God means to turn from sin, to turn from uh, transgressing the law of God, to desiring to obey it, to keep the law of God, and not in order to become saved, but because salvation has already taken place, and in so doing, in keeping the law of God, there's a demonstration of love of God, if you love me, keep my commandments, and fear of God, as um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. And so we we leave the sin, and in leaving the sin, we, in a sense, are keeping the commandment of God on that point, departing from evil, and it's all tied together, it's all related to the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1, God also makes reference to fearing Him. And I'll start reading in verse 28. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of Jehovah. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. They they did not choose the fear of the Lord, and this would identify with those that do not want the true doctrine of the Bible. They they do not want uh, to adhere to, to keep the right teaching of the Word of God, the, the teaching of the Scripture. They um, have their own ideas, their own doctrine. They prefer the doctrine of uh, their church and their church's theologians. They they like the things that have been written in confessions and creeds, and they uphold those things above the teaching of the Bible. And in so doing, they are demonstrating a lack of fear of God. And and that's the point God is making here. They hated knowledge, as as Christ is wisdom and understanding, and he is the truth. And there is a doctrine of Christ. And and so knowledge, true knowledge, the true teaching of the word of God is completely wrapped up in the Lord Jesus, who is the word. Yet they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord or the fear of Jehovah, which would be to do things God's way and, and to be humble, to be in submission, to what the Bible says concerning the doctrine of hell, that it is the grave. Hell is really language that that speaks of death. And it's not a place where man will suffer forevermore. But the true right teaching of the Bible is annihilation. And likewise, on the point of Christ dying from the foundation of the world and paying for sins then, rather than in time in 33 A.D. on the cross. Men struggle with these things, rebel against these things. They hate the correct teaching of the Bible on these points, 
and therefore they do not choose the fear of Jehovah, which would be to bow the knee and to submit to uh, the word of God. And as God opened up doctrine after doctrine at the time of the end, during the Great Tribulation and now into the Day of Judgment, it has really brought this issue to bear. Do you fear the Lord or do you fear men? Do you fear the uh, the church? Do you fear something other than God? Who is your authority? Is it the Bible and therefore God alone? Or do you have another authority that you're in submission to. And and so God again and again um, brought a testing program on this very issue, this point. Who is your authority? And he would open up information about the end of the church age. Oh, but, but none of the pastors agreed with it. And the pastors spoke against it. And, and the churches began to call it heresy. And, and, oh, that's a fearful thing to be considered a heretic in the eyes of all churches to be uh, an outsider, to be put out from the congregations, cast out and, and have your name considered in the company of cults and, and heretics. Oh, and, and some people couldn't stand up under the weight of that. It, they feared the title of heretic, they feared uh, the wrath of the church, the wrath of maybe their their wife or their other family members who thought it was crazy what they were saying about the end of the church age and we must get out of the church. They feared man over and above God. But, of course, none of God's true people in whom is no guile, none of those that were chosen by him from the foundation of the world and predestinated to receive his salvation in time, none of those alive and living during the great tribulation and during the day of judgment put the fear of man or church or anything above the fear of God. The fear of God is the chief thing in the lives of those that God has saved, because his spirit is within them. And the spirit of God would not allow anything to exalt itself above love of God and, and fear of God. Those are two uh, key and, and central to the life of the spirit. And, and so God's people fear the Lord. And no matter the consequences, no matter what people think or how many people think it, the Lord's people follow the teaching of the Bible irregardless, despite what people think about them for it. And and that's where the fear of the Lord is tested as opposed to the fear of men and the fear of the attitude and mindset of those that despise the true things of God. And many buckle and uh, they they turn back because they, they cannot endure the position that they're in in uh, being reviled or, or disdain for the word's sake. And they fear the things that are said about them. They fear thinking 
that uh, others think about them because they hold to these things. And, and so they go back to church or they go back to the world or they go back to former doctrine, former doctrine, such as no man knows the day or hour. It's a turning about. It is going backwards in the fear of God. There is no fear of God in that doctrine. There is a fear of man. Oh, what will people think if I continue to hold on to the idea that we can know uh, times and seasons, that God will reveal uh, details concerning uh, his judgment day? Uh, after all, we, we were wrong, and, and, and now they have the upper hand. And you see, it's all related to how I appear in the eyes of those others. And, and that's not how it should be. But it, it should be, what does the Bible say? And the Bible hasn't changed on that point. Ecclesiastes 8, 5 and 6 still says, A wise man's heart discerneth time and judgment. Amos 3, 7 still says, that God revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Uh, the book of Genesis still says that God told Noah yet seven days, thereby giving him the exact date the judgment would come of the flood. And Genesis still says that the angels went into Sodom and forewarned Lot so he could get out of the city before the destruction came. And the Bible still says in the book of Jonah, that Jonah went into the city a day's journey and proclaimed, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And and on and on and on. There, all that information it is still there. And nothing's changed. And nobody has answered those things. That the Bible indicates that the wise will understand, as it says in Daniel 12. But none of the wicked will understand in the context of sealing up the word until the time of the end. Nobody's answered these things. So why all of a sudden are people submitting and cowering to to the church's position that no man can know the day or hour? Well, it has to do with the fear of man, the fear of others, rather than maintaining the fear of God. Well, we also see in Jeremiah chapter 32, as we're just looking at many verses, and we could go to many more, where the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord in Jeremiah 32, uh, beginning in verse 38, it says, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Well, there it is. That's a wonderful passage describing the blessing of fearing God which comes once God gives a new heart. I will give them a new heart, that they may fear me forever. That is, forevermore into eternity future, 
It begins at the moment of salvation in this life, but proceeds and continues into that eternal future that awaits each child of God. God's people will fear him because they will always have a desire to do the will of God, an eternal desire to do it God's way, to obey Him, to keep His commandments. What did God say will be the the common statement in eternity future? What did God say? Let's run to do it. What did the Lord say we should do here? And what did the Lord say we should do there? Let us uh, go quickly and do the will of God. That is the nature of the heart that God has placed within each one that he has saved. And that nature will never change again. And and, uh, it will never be tested again either. And it will never fail a test as Adam did and as Eve did in the Garden of Eden. There will be in the future to come, in that glorious eternity that God has in store for each one of his people, There will be perfect obedience, perfect fear of the Lord from each and every one of those that have been blessed by God and and graciously granted His mercy and and His salvation. Well, there's one one verse I think that um, sums up the fear of God. And then we'll go back to Revelation 14. And it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes 12. And after looking at all these other verses, we uh, we have a much better understanding of what the fear of the Lord uh, is, is really about. It says in Ecclesiastes 12, and this is the last chapter of Ecclesiastes towards the end of, the, of that book, in verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now we we have a, a good understanding. Oh, no wonder God says that. Yes, that is an apt summary. Uh, that is exactly what the creature created in the image of God ought to have done all along. It was to do what the Creator said to do. Fear Him. And fear is demonstrated through keeping His commandments. It is our whole duty. It is why we were created. It is why we exist. It is what each one of us should be about. Simply, doing the will of God. And, and uh, of course, uh, this is what is lost in the fall, and it is what the uh, unregenerate of mankind no longer desire to do and cannot do. They, they have no fear of God before their eyes. They do as they please, and they certainly fear a host of other things, but not God. They, they have no fear that drives them 
to keep his commandments in a right way, in a proper way. But but God's people do. All right, going back to Revelation 14, now we can see what's being said here in verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, this is that everlasting gospel that's preached to all the earth during the latter rain, during the, the second part uh, of the Great Tribulation period, that last 6,100 days. It, it's saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. Fear God. What does that mean? The only way to fear Him is through salvation. And and therefore, it is basically stating to the people of these nations that you are saved by the Word of God as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And God did save a great multitude from the nations of the world as a result of this proclamation. And that great multitude now fears God from the heart. The the Spirit of God is within them. They have a new, born-again, resurrected soul. And from the heart, they fear Him. And, And so that of course will come forth it will it will be seen in their life more and more as time goes on there will be that desire within to do the will of God and give glory to him and we don't have too much time but this also relates to salvation in um John 11 in John 11 it says in Verse 4, when Jesus heard that, and this is a chapter that's um, describing Lazarus's illness and death, and, and Lazarus uh, was sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then, um, going down to verse 40, Jesus said unto her, as um, I I hate breaking into uh, this wonderful chapter this way, but uh, Lazarus died. He was put in a tomb with a stone in front of it. Christ commanded the stone be taken away. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, said, Lord, by this time he stinketh because he's been dead four days already. And then in verse 40 of of John 11, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said, saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. That was all to the glory of God. You will see the glory of God, Jesus said to Martha. And the glory of God was to raise the dead. 
Yes, that was a, a, a case of the physically dead. Lazarus was physically dead, being brought to life. But it pointed to what God does in salvation in raising the spiritually dead, the sinner, dead in trespasses and sins, but one of God's elect, chosen by God unto salvation before the foundation of the world, when God sent forth his word into the world via the gospel, it sought out those elect. And when the elect heard the word at the appointed time of their redemption according to the will of God, God saved them just as Jesus brought Lazarus to life and they came to life. They rose from the dead in their soul. And it was all to the glory of God in each and every instance when a sinner was granted um, salvation and, and given that new spiritual life in their soul, a new resurrected soul, God got the glory. And, and so here in Revelation 14, with this statement saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him. It has everything to do with God's salvation during the great tribulation period. It was the climax, the conclusion of the grand salvation plan that God had mapped out uh, from before this world even existed. And now finally it ended and there was tremendous salvation, great salvation, the completion of all uh, whose names were written down in the Lamb's book of life, the whole company of the elect was now found, now safe and secure in the kingdom of heaven, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a, a glorious, beautiful, tremendous thing it was that God reached the utmost of his salvation plan. You can't get any more salvation than the salvation of everyone chosen to receive salvation. That's why it's really incorrect when people say, oh, that's a gospel of no salvation that E-Bible Fellowship teaches. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is a gospel of utmost salvation of the greatest possibility of salvation. There is no additional salvation other than God's elect and every one of them. Not most, not 99%, but every single one is what the Bible teaches, has received the salvation. It's the glorious, the glorious finish to God's glorious salvation program. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.